Welcome, and thanks for joining us for the weekly podcast of Center Church San Diego. We are so happy to connect with you online today. You matter to God. You really do. Whatever your past, no matter what your circumstance right now, God loves you. And you belong right here. Hope starts now as we invite Christ to take his rightful place at the center of our lives. So let's jump in. I know. That's why I sent Bree to fix it. 
she knows her calling. And so the Lord's Prayer, and then he gives the Lord's Prayer. We, how many of you know the Lord's Prayer? It's not, whether you are church people or not, we, we almost all know the Lord's Prayer. And there were two pastors saying to each other, hey, I bet you can't say the Lord's Prayer by memory. And the guy goes, are you kidding me? Of course I can. He goes, I'll bet you $10 you can't say the Lord's Prayer from memory. He goes, you're on. You're ready for that $10. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to pay. The guy looked at him and he goes, I cannot believe it. You got it. Word perfect. There's ten bucks. Well, of course, that's not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? All of that is about God. That first part of prayer in the Lord's Prayer is about God. How sacred is His name. We submit to His authority and His, his uh, uh, will to be done. And then the second half of the Lord's Prayer is, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. So that's all about us. So here's what we do in prayer, and we do it wrongly, and here's what I would encourage you to do. A lot of people go to prayer, and when they leave, they feel worse than when they got there, because they don't know how to pray. So God gave us a formula to pray, and, it's, and when I say a formula, is that you don't pray the Lord's Prayer. What, do you, what you do is you understand the component parts, the pattern, the framework of prayer. First start with, who is God? about this. God wants to connect your life to His life and produce power in you. So start with God. And then simple requests. Give us this year our daily bread, right? Give us the next ten years. No, one day at a time. I'm like, Lord, can we work this out? Look, if you can handle my retirement and, and really have that set up, I've, I've got it figured out. I can retire five years after I die. That's how my finances are set up. My wife says, how's that life insurance going? It's great. We have to start with God and then with simple requests for daily provision. So I want to share with you a passage, John chapter 15. I just want to look at a portion of this passage. It, it, it's talking about prayer. It's talking about joy and prayer. And I want to hit the aspect of prayer. Uh, true prayer is only possible when we abide in Christ. John chapter 15. If you have your Bible, turn there. Uh, if you don't, we'll, I'll show these verses on screen. Uh, you know, prayer is really important to the daily existence of our spiritual life. But we must abide in Christ. Many of us don't want to abide in Christ because we're afraid that we're not good enough. Some of you feel like I would approach God, but He doesn't want to hear from me. And some of you have been falsely taught that if you have sin in your life, God won't listen. Where are you going to go when you have sin in your life to get listened to if it's not from God? 
certainly we can go to each other, and it's kind of a mixed bag. Some of you are judgmental, and some of you are really loving. You know who you are. But to have a source that you can go to that always says, my love cannot be increased or diminished by your behavior. I love you with an unending divine love. You can approach God anytime, no matter your condition. But he really wants us to abide in him. What does it mean to abide in Christ? What does that word abide mean? So we're going to look at John 15. Here it is. Uh, you see it on screen here, behind me and over here. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Uh, I'm not going to ask how many of you like wine too much, but uh, I would say that most of us have seen vineyards. How many of us have seen a vineyard? Okay, a picture of a vineyard. Wow. So vineyards are interesting. If you drive through Napa Valley, and you drive through, you'll just see rows and rows of vines, right? And there's something really interesting about the way they're set up, and they they really understand how to develop those grapes in those vineyards. God, the Father, is the vine dresser. The Son is the vine. We're the branches. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. I just want you to get a simple truth. Because there are three different kinds of branches here. It says, first, the branch in me, and notice all of them abide in Christ. All of them are attached to Christ the vine. So the metaphor is this. You've got a vineyard, you've got a vine dresser, he's the Heavenly Father, and Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches coming off of the vine. And some branches produce fruit, some that don't produce fruit, and some will produce more fruit. So how do we process that? There's two actions of every vine dresser in the way that Jesus uses this metaphor. The first one is he takes away non-fruit-bearing branches. Takes them away. That sounds ominous, doesn't it? Scary. Like, if I don't bear fruit, then do I not have salvation? Is that what he's saying? Well, before you get too carried away, that's not what he's saying. I'll explain it in a moment. The second thing that the vine dresser does is he prunes branches that are bearing some fruit. So the the no fruit, if you if you're not bearing any fruit at all, but you're attached to Christ, he says, I'm the vine, the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. So when he says he takes it away, the word for taking it away is actually a Greek word, arrow, which means to lift up. It doesn't actually mean to remove. It actually means to lift it up from the ground. And let me show you what that looks like. If, if you look on the screen behind me or here, you'll see a, a, a vine dresser takes these branches that are connected to the main vine, and he puts them up on the wires and, and uh, different cross members that they put uh, to make vineyards grow well. And here's why. Because branches will grow out from the vine, and then start to hang down, and then they eventually touch the ground, and then they grow along the ground. And guess what? 
all of the branches that are on the ground are not receiving the oxygen that they need, plus the parasites get to them easier, and they get dirty, and they just simply don't produce fruit. So the vineyard takes them and lifts them up and puts them on these cables or wires, whatever goes across there, and, and so that causes all of the oxygen to get around uh, those branches. And now they begin to bear fruit. So he's not saying, hey, if you don't bear fruit, you are not saved. What he's saying is, if, if, if you're not bearing fruit, but you're attached to Christ, you're saved, but I want you to bear some fruit, so I'm going to lift you up. And that process, you can feel God reaching into your life and changing some of the behaviors, attitudes, and actions, and you begin to be fruit bearing. So the second thing that the vine dresser does, he says, uh, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. He prunes it. And so when, when it's pruned, that some fruit, uh, it, it's pruned, and then when it's pruned, it bears more fruit. What is pruning? It literally means to clean the branch. And, and the idea of cream, uh, cleaning the branch is this, that they would take, first they lift it up, it begins to bear fruit, but as it bears fruit, there's these little sucker branches that get off of that vine. Usually right at the vine where the branch goes off, another branch will come off, and guess what? They're not bearing fruit, but they're taking nutrition away from the vine. Sometimes you'll see in different fruit trees, you'll see at the base of the, the tree, you'll see branches that shoot across, and they just go crazy. Because they don't bear any fruit. And so a vine dresser will come, and he'll clip those branches. Because those branches are a distraction to the fruit-bearing branches. And, and what he does is then, once he removes that, he takes the branches and he prunes those. Pruning is not just clipping uh, unproductive branches, it's also cleaning the branches. And in the day, the first century, when Jesus was sharing this, what he would do is he, the, the vine dresser would literally clean off the dirt and dust off of the branches by hand. And they would get all of the insects uh, off of that, that branch. That would impede the fruit-bearing ability of that branch. Now we just spray them. So that's another story. I think there's something there about sin, but I'm not going to go there. Prayer is more about connecting with God. As you'll see, when he goes takes us through this fruit-bearing process, it's really about prayer. Prayer is more about connecting with God than about getting things from God. When was the last time you went to prayer and your goal was just to connect with God? It's a powerful thing when you connect with God. Think about your relationships. My kids, which we have seven, my kids um, all of a sudden would be very loving. Especially when they were teenagers, what's going on? And I realized they have a motive to get something. Usually my money. And this is being 
super nice. I'm like, yeah, you think I'm an idiot? And they're inside, they're going, we know you're an idiot. We see if we can manipulate you. And it works every time with my daughters. My sons, not so much. My daughters are just like, they have me wrapped around their finger. Um, they say, hey, Dad, I'm just thinking of going to this uh, event over here tonight. Can we need some money? You're such an amazing dad. So thankful I have you as a dad, not some other losers. How much is it going to be? About 200 bucks. 100. Okay, we're on. Go. Manipulation. You think God is just dumb? And you go, hey, God, I really want to tell you an awesome God. And uh, really proud of you. And God goes, oh, gee whiz, thanks. Is that the kind of God you serve? No, God goes, I know what you need before you even ask. So let's just connect. How about let's just talk? And you see my uh, third daughter, my third oldest daughter, we have four daughters now. My third oldest daughter is 20. I can't remember. I love her, but I can't keep track of her birthday. No, she's 20, 27. We're going to go with that. And she comes home and she goes, Dad, I missed you so much. And she comes over, and this is why girls and dads got this thing so beautiful. And she sits on my lap. All my daughters sit on my lap. Thankfully, not at the same time. They're all grown. And they still like to sit on my lap. It's such a cool connection that I've got with these sweet daughters of mine. And she just laid there and put her head on my chest. Sudden, she's going, What's the matter? I said, Nothing. And my chest is starting to heave a little bit because I'm crying. That's what it means to abide. Are you settled down and relaxed in the presence of God? Are you there to get something from God? I can't give you stuff. I'm not talking about it. But first, connect to God. So he says this, verse 4, John 15. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. So if you want to be fruit-bearing, you're going to have to abide in me. Yes, you're attached to me, but are you going to abide in me? Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There's an organic connection between the branch and the vine. And when that organic connection is made, nutrients flow from that vine into that branch, and that branch begins to get all those nutrients, and it begins to bear fruit because it's ordered by the vine. That's what the vine does. You graft in a branch that doesn't have, it's not a fruit tree branch. It won't bear fruit. It's got to be organically connected. 
how do you abide in Christ? One of the ways is through prayer and fasting. So set aside those uh, that need for food just for a period of time, a half-day fast, a day fast, a week fast. I did a, uh, years ago when I was a young man, um, I, I did a 40-day fast. And I didn't fast for 40 days. I fast off and on for 40 days. I took 40 days off. I didn't do a vacation. All I did was I went up to my cabin and I spent time in prayer and fasting. And I would fast for four or five days and then I would eat for a day and then I'd go back on the fasting cycle in the morning. And it was just this time of connection with God and there was no other purpose than just to connect with God. I wasn't asking for anything. I just wanted to connect with God. I just wanted to get up in God's lap and put my head on his chest and feel his arms around me. So he says you, you need to abide. What does the word abide mean? You have one responsibility as a branch if you want to be fruit bearing, and that's to abide in Christ. That's your job. That's your job description. What do you do? I abide in Christ. The Greek word that's translated here, of course, Jesus was speaking in Aramaic, but it's recorded for us by the Apostle John in Greek. And so whatever the Aramaic connection is to the Greek word, the Greek word is the word meno. And it's a very descriptive word. The word meno literally means, M-E-N-O, it literally means to settle down and be at home. Anybody have cats here? Cats? Do you have kids and cats? Kids and okay, kids and cats. Let me tell you about kids and cats. I got nothing. I got nothing. No, here. So, cats. If you take a cat, they they don't abide. Cats, dogs abide too much, but they abide. Cats put up with you. I love cats. They're amusing. I like to watch them. And I think they're delicious. Oh, that, that was wrong. I apologize. Thank you. There's two of us. We're going out for lunch afterwards. Anyway, no, I, I think cats are, are amusing and stuff, but they're just not cuddling, right? And if you take a cat and a child, especially a toddler, and the toddler picks up the cat, you know what the look is. The child is going, <laughs> and the cat is going, help, help me, help, because cats don't abide. The dog will do it. I'll lick your face while you're doing it. You can sit on top. You can ride me. You can, you can wrestle me. I'll do anything. I'll lick your face all day. That's dogs. Dogs know how to abide. You know how to abide. So we have all these grandkids. Six of them, and our youngest is is a little boy. I have one granddaughter. I'm telling my kids to get on it. And my grandsons are great, but anyway, this little little boy's name is Balor. Balor is very cute, but he'll grow up. But anyway, he's very cute. But and. We have this little game that we play. We have a two-story home, so I walk out of the second story, and there's a balcony up there, like a mezzanine, and I'll just start saying his name, 
but I say it like this. Baller. I've been doing it his whole life. Baller. Baller. And even if I'm right next to him, downstairs doing it, he looks up on the measurement. He's not sharp, but he's looking for what he's... where he's used to seeing it. And he goes just like this. That one more time. Oh, it's so cute. And he goes up, up, up. By the time I get down there, I'm like, Bowler. And he goes, Nope. Oh, dude, you need to get saved. There's nothing. He won't let me hug him. He said, Oh, but no. So I sat him down and I said, Bowler, by the way, he's a year old. Very simple. Bowler, listen to me. You know your relationship to the dog Biscuit? We have a we have a dog named Biscuit. Biscuit is a beagle. Beagles are essentially uh, anybody had a beagle before? Yeah. They're ridiculous. They're cute to be. But uh, tell you this, uh, they uh, don't want to be cuddled. Are you ready? There we go. Gosh, I sound so much better. We should have done this from the beginning. My voice sounds so amazing. I feel, I feel like I got a God voice. Our Father, I could be, we could go to, we can go to a restaurant and have lunch and we can make everybody pray. Anyway, that was in my dad. So here's here's what I Valor and the dog Biscuit. Valor just wants to hug that dog so bad, and the dog is like scared to death of him. And he's like this because he can't walk very well. And and the dog is like skittish. And then if he ever catches the dog, the dog goes like. Never will bite. He's a good dog, sort of. She's a good dog. But, and the other day, he just demanded hugging. And the dog is just like, what do I do? I can't take this. And just looking for help. Let me ask you about your connection to God. Do you mental? Do you abide? Are you settled down or are you resistant? Are you fighting against what God wants to do? God wants to just settle down and be at home with you. Not only does he want you to abide in him, but Jesus wants to abide in you. There's that connection that is so powerful. Uh, Abide in me and I in you. He's saying, abide in me and I will abide in you. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. So you can be attached, but if you're not abiding, you're not going to be fruit-bearing. Neither can you unless you abide in me. We need this incredible attachment. Apart from me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You need to be connected to the power source. You wonder why you don't get what you pray for? If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered toward the fire and burn, thrown into the fire and burn. So there's a couple of different ways that this is looked at. Uh, one is, and the one I agree with, is that uh, these are fruitless uh, works that are burned. You know, the wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stone, for those of you who are aware of the teaching of rewards in heaven, you uh, works that you do uh, by the flesh are wood, hay, and stubble. And then the works that you do that are empowered by the Holy Spirit are gold, silver, and precious stone. And then he says at the uh, judgment seat of Christ, they will be tested by fire. And think about wood, hay, and stubble and fire. That's fuel for fire, right? And gold, silver, precious stone, they are not fuel. So your works are going to be burned. However, you will be saved as though by fire, it says. So and I think that's what he's talking about. Some people have thought that it's, it's claiming that these people were never really saved in the first place. It doesn't really matter. What it matters is, is that our job is to abide in Christ. Prayer is about having the same values as God. Do you have the same values of God? You know, people say, if you ask, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so people say, I asked in Jesus' name. He has to do it. But what does it mean to say in Jesus' name? It's not just by his authority, but this is what Jesus would want. It's according to his will. It's the refinement of our thinking. Do you have the same values as God? My wife and I, uh, a couple of years ago, started working out together. I always worked out by myself. She worked out by herself. She went to some place called Curves or some crazy nonsense, and, and I went to man curves. So, uh, and so we never worked out together, but a couple of years ago, she said, Hey, let's work out together. And I go, yeah, great. No. And she said, look, you've been working out for so long. Why don't you teach me how to work out? And I said, okay, are you serious? You really want to work out? And I was like, super excited. You know, I said, okay, let's do it. And it went great for about three sessions. And I, there are certain days of, uh, that I work different body parts, right? And so, like, one day would be chest. And so we're working on chest. And, you know, I'm, she's, it's her turn. And I turn around and I go, what are you doing? She goes, I'm working over here. I go, well, we're training here on chest on this bench. And you're doing shoulders. She goes, yeah, I need to work on my shoulders, too. I said, it's chest day. She goes, shoulders need work, too. I said, yeah, that's tomorrow. <laughs> you don't know everything, Tim. You go, yes, I do. <laughs> and you're wrong. 
So she'll come back and do the chest a little bit. Next day, we're on shoulder shoes. Oh, we're doing chest. I go, what is your problem? Are you a rebellious wife? And the problem is, we have different values. I go to work out for a very specific reason, and she goes, work out to have fun. I want to have fun. And this isn't fun. What you're doing is not fun. It hurts, and we're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that anymore. She is so dang cute. You know, she can get away with anything. But when you're praying, you can't go, hey, God, I kind of want to do my own thing. So would you just go ahead and give me what I want? And God goes, "Uh, that's not good for you. And then you say, you don't know everything. Oh, wait a minute. That's the problem in prayer, is that we think we know better what we need than God does. And so we go to God in prayer and we say, God, look, I want a a powerful prayer life, but the problem is you aren't agreeing with what I'm asking. How am I going to get you to do what I want you to do? You got the power, I got the need. And he goes, I have the plan. And that's what we're going to go with. So he says this, verse 7, if you abide in me, and here's where it is, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, whatever you wish, and it will be done to you. Are you catching verse 7? This is the whole point of this passage for us today. If you abide in me, but the second caveat is, and my words abide in you. So think about what happens when his words abide in us. In other words, the word of Christ, the word of God, begins to settle down and be at home in our life. So that means that the word of God is consistent with our behavior, our thoughts, and our attitudes. And so when we ask of God, after our heart and mind has been refined, we're going to ask in accordance with his will. Does it make sense? So whatever you ask, once meeting those two caveats, that if you abide in me, and secondly, my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you want and you get it. The reason we don't get it is we don't abide in Christ. And here's the great secret. That should not be a secret at all to us. God is not in the business of indulging your sense of entitlement. God is in the business of perfecting your life. He later on says, I wrote these things, I spoke these things, so that my joy might be in you, and your joy might be full. Because after all, why do we pray for the things we pray for? Because we want our joy to be full. Verse 8, by this my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And I'm going to close with this because I'm out of time. But let me just share with you what he means by bearing fruit. So some people say, well, what, what is fruit bearing? Well, he's very clear about what he means about fruit bearing both in this passage 
in verse 10 it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide, listen to this, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So abiding in Christ's commandments has to do with love, obtaining and manifesting the love of Christ. But listen to this, John 13, 35, just a couple of chapters earlier, Jesus said this, By this all people, now notice this verse while I read this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How will they know your disciples if you don't love each other? They'll go, they aren't really the disciples. So what is your attitude and your thoughts and your actions to your brothers and sisters in Christ? And if you have hatred, John, in the first epistle of John says, then you really don't love God like you say you do. I love God. I just can't stand his people. You know what I'm saying? I was talking to a pastor, and I was coaching him. And, and I said, what do you think the biggest problem is in your church? He's having a hard time getting the church to move forward. And, and he said, I, I just don't know. I said, he said, I preach the word of God. And he goes, you know, I'm, and he is, he's a really good speaker. And, and, and I think I'm a pretty good speaker, you know, pretty good preacher. And I said, you are that. And he says, I'm really good at organization. And he is. He's a strategist, like such a good strategist. And I said, let me ask you something. When you finish your message, what do you do? He goes, what do you mean? I said, what do you do? You, you finish your message. Where do you go? Well, I go to the green room. Oh, that's good. So they have multiple services. I said, after the last service, where do you go after you finish preaching? He goes, well, outside the green room is my parking space. And so I go into the green room, I take off my mic, and then I get in my car and go home. I go, that's why your church isn't growing. Adjust that or it'll never change. He says, let me tell you something. Josh, you and I know this. They can hear better preachers anywhere. Not your, okay, you know what I mean. Lord, I love Josh. You can hear better preachers than what you're getting this morning. You, you could have gone online and heard a better message. get what you want out there somewhere. But let me tell you something that I found in this church, and I've been here three times now, or four times. August, last week, um, Pastor Marcus' last Sunday, and then this Sunday. Here's what I know about you. And if you're, you're a guest here, let me just tell you something. You love each other. That's better than anything out there. See, I believe that God is going to grow the influence of this church 
And as he grows the influence of this church, the temptation will be to not care as much as you care now. Don't do it. Because the only way that people will know that you are disciples is when you love each other. So abiding in Christ produces something. It produces fruit. The fruit, according to verse 10, is love. According to John 13, 35, it's love. And it's love specifically for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So a fruit-bearing Christian is not that great, great leader out there. The fruit-bearing Christian is the one that loves his brother. You see, ministry of this church is not happening right now. This is a small portion. It's when you are knee-to-knee with someone who's hurting or needs encouragement or a word that says, you're going to be okay, and I love you. That's ministry. When you put your arm around someone who hasn't been hugged in a week because she's a widow and she doesn't have any kids that are touching her ever, and you give her a sweet, godly hug, you are showing Christ. You're bearing fruit. Fruit bearing is not what you do. It's who you are. It's the manifestation of God's love through you to other people. And when you do that, listen, God's people, you need to know you have power. And that's what God wants us to be. The founding documents of Center Church were to be right here in the city to be Christ. That's why we're here. The elders are looking at their watches. Whatever. Let me just have you bow your head for a moment. I just want to challenge you. So much more can be said. But I I just want you to know, if you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you, the reason Jesus came is because of the love of the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. The gospel is about God's love for you through his son, Jesus. Every one of us pray. But you need to abide. If you don't know Jesus Christ, listen, you can have Jesus as your personal Savior right now, right where you sit. God loved you so much He gave His Son. Just believe in Jesus Christ and you will have eternal life is what Jesus said. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we think about what was said here, that we want to be those who abide. We want to be those who who live in the realm of fruit-bearing. 
We want to be those who are so deeply connected to you, you, Lord Jesus, that you are lifted up and that love begins to flow through our lives to others. I pray, Father, that as we come to this moment of decision that we would decide that we no longer are going to resist. We are going to submit. Lord, we pray that as a service comes to a close, that Jesus would be lifted up in our lives. We love you, Lord. We want to be close to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. The question now is, what are you going to do with what you just discovered? Take a step to connect with us in person? Or perhaps choose to support the ministry of Center Church with your financial generosity. Take your next right step and visit us online at centerchurchsd.com. See you next time.